Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, a podcast about all things hard rock and heavy metal. Each week, we deliver the best hard-hitting analysis of albums you love and industry news. I'm Georgina, one of your hosts for the night, along with creator and editor-in-chief of the Metal Pit himself, Blake Mosey. Take it away, Blake. Thank you, Georgina. Hi, everybody. Uh, as she said, my name is Blake, and I am from Canada. Georgina is from New York, and we have a whole bunch of writers from across Canada, United States, and one in Europe, and one in Australia, too. And you can find us on our website at www.themetalpit.org, and we are on Instagram and Facebook, at The Metal Pit for each one. And like Georgina said, we're going to talk about one of the masters of thrash metal, Metallica, tonight. Yes, today we're going to talk about Metallica's Master of Puppets that came out in 1986. 30-plus years later, young disillusioned kids are still banging their heads to the socially relevant tunes. Master of Puppets isn't just merely the greatest work of progressive thrash. It's considered by many to be the greatest metal album ever released. Although I'd probably give that title to Black Sabbath's Paranoid, Master of Puppets comes in at a close second. So, Blake, what made you buy the album? Well, for me, I'm not going to say my age, but I was, I've been listening to Metallica since Kill 'Em All. As I was, let's see, I guess I started listening to heavy metal probably in 1982 when I really knew it was called heavy metal. And you could find that on our website if you look under our history tab at the top of our page for a few year in reviews. And I did a 1982 one. So, but then the next year, 1983, uh, when Kill 'Em All was released, I was listening to a heavy metal show from Toronto on the radio at midnight. And the DJ played Hit the Lights, and that's how I first heard Metallica. So, and I loved it as soon as I heard it and ran out and bought Kill 'em All. And so, of course, as soon as then I bought Ride the Lightning, of course, my personal favorite, and then Master of Puppets, which is a close second. And I actually bought that on an import at a record store. So I think I got it before it was actually released, probably by a couple of weeks. Mm. Cool. <laughs> I'll admit. The thing that compelled me to buy the actual album, I bought it at Woolworths and I was just a kid and it was the artwork. Um, and, and what I found out by reading about the artwork is that Metallica designed the album cover um, with their manager, Peter Mensch at the time. And as we all know, it shows white crosses in a cemetery, each with a string attached to it like being manipulated in a certain way by these hands in the sky. And I believe it was painted by Don Brodingham, if I hope I said his name right, and he painted it back in 2008. And ironically, that original sold for $28,000. And that's amazing. <laughs> now, my feelings on the album, right? I think that the stars aligned for Metallica on Master of Puppets. Compositionally, musically, and sonically, this album is a raging beast from start to finish. 
This I believe is, is the band at their most focused, their most unified, and was at that point, to me, their greatest album. And I, I think today it still is even. It's, it's youthful strength, the prowess and the ambition came together with the band on this one. And this is the album that got me into Metallica and into more metal as um, I believe I was listening to Slayer to Reign of Blood. And I, I still listen to this album today. In fact, I listened to this album before we got together to chat about it. And sadly, this was Cliff Burton's swan song, um, but this would send shockwaves through the metal camp and throughout the metal scene itself when he died. And the album, is the apex and the peak of the band's create, you know, their creative vision. And the sonic clout that they had would not be replicated ever again. Um, and I believe Cliff Burton co-wrote a lot of the band's earlier tunes. So good stuff, everybody. <laughs> also that same year, like uh, you mentioned, Slayer, Rain and Blood also came out in 1986. And right. Megadeth, uh, Peace Sells by Who's Buying also came out in 1986. And those were the, those are the three of the big four from that thrash tour. And then the next year, 1987, Anthrax, the other one of the big four, released Among the Living. And those could all could be those groups' best albums or most loved albums. Right. Now, it, let's take a second and let's kind of go over the, the, the album itself, right? Let's, let's dissect this, this little puppy. <laughs> and and let's, let's start with Battery, right? Uh, and I, I remember when I first heard Battery, it sounded like this acoustic ballad and, and, a, and like a Spanish mariachi band, you know, just strumming away. And all of a sudden, like this chaos kicked in. And a few seconds later, you didn't know what hit you in the face. And I always say to myself, this was well played by Metallica. The opener was amazing. Their riffs were meaner. The drumming was tighter. A little bit of growling vocals in there for good measure. And Hetfield sounded better than ever on this track. Like fight fire with fire. This too is firing on all of its cylinders. Woo. Well, you said fight fire with fire well since i heard ride the lightning since so you heard master of puppets before ride the lightning so i heard ride the lightning and some of the just the <laughs> way they outlaid <laughs> it is kind of like similar because fight fire i mean fight fire with fire started off ride the lightning it also had an acoustic intro and then it went fast as heck for the rest of the song and so i just find it very similar but battery is a little more i find the master of puppets is a little more heavier but a little slower but not battery is slow but <laughs> overall i'm <laughs> right now speaking of master of puppets right we're going right into that great segue great intro fast rhythm guitars followed by this amazing drumming and as we both know the song tells a story about the ravages of drug use and how users are puppets strangled by their addictions. One of the most potent messages in rock music 
to ever be dealt with is I think many songs actually talk about addiction, not just in Metallica, but in heavy metal and rock and roll and music in itself. And what's really great about the song is the laughter at the end of the track. <laughs> it's haunting. I freaking love it. 10 out of 10. Whew. I had to tell, I had to tell my mom, I don't know how, what I was, whatever age it was, but I had to tell my mom the song was about sewing. <laughs> you know, needle worked away, right? So, so she let me listen to it. Of course, I'm kidding, but <laughs> but yes, that is a great song. And of course, they probably play it on every concert pretty much that they play <laughs> i would imagine and of course it was on last year's season finale of stranger things and then it, so it had a resurgence to all the young kids that never right. heard master of puppets before all right good point good point how about the thing that should not be now this song has heavy pounding oh so good feeling to it tempo a little bit slower it makes up for the heaviness and arguably this is the heaviest track on the darn album for sheer headbanging this song to me is a classic i find this it's yeah it's slow and like thunderous so it's so heavy but it's slow it's kind of black sabbath kind of slow but it doesn't right. sound like black sabbath but it's that type and I love some of the lines in the songs, like Stranger Eon's Death May Die. I might not know what that means, but I <laughs> but as a youngster, I sure like, I really paid attention to the lyrics more way back then. And the thing that shouldn't be, this is probably maybe my favorite song on the album, actually, this one. Oh, and is it? Yes, I think it is, really. That or maybe battery or yes. Well, puppets is big too, of course. But yeah, I think this is my favorite song on the album. And I remember back because the internet hadn't even wasn't even out yet. I don't think when this album came out. But when the internet did come out, my first email address had was thingy. I used the word like thing that should not be, so I used thingy as my first email address. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know what? We'll go run into Sanitarium. This is probably one of my favorite songs on the album. And um, Sanitarium, quote unquote, Welcome Home, describes the anguish of a tortured soul locked inside an institution. Wow. I mean, how, how amazing to be writing about something like this of the human condition. The pace starts out kind of slow, and then they tell you a story of how no one leaves and no one will which kind of reminds me of, of like Hotel California. And I, I actually love that song, but only a harder version. And the song goes into like this double speed and the drums, the guitar, the trade-off in that section is so deliciously me Metallica. It's, it's just superb storytelling. I love it. I hope you don't hear my dog in the background, Blake. <laughs> but if you do, his name is Ozzy, guys. <laughs> Actually, I think the song was based on One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest. Right. Actually, right. I read, if that's correct, the new way that I read. And of course, back to Miriam uh, Ride the Lightning, this is like the fade to black of Master of Puppets. <laughs> right. But wow. yes, it's a great song too. And I love the heavy, the change from the slow to the heavy and fast and thrash. Right. 
And then, then we can like chat about disposable heroes and, and this speaks volumes. Like it's another epic tune off of the, the you know, off the album slash CD. And it starts with the opening and this one track where I can envision tanks rolling and like bombs exploding. And the sound effects of the music here are so realistic and Hetfield's voice acts as like this commander barking his freaking orders to everybody. This one by far is the shining diamond of the album. And you can hear the mayhem of war here. And war is like a huge topic for me. I actually, I, I love reading about um, war and, and history and all the, um, you know, associated emotions are, are shown in the chorus of of this song you hear apathy you hear fatigue you hear numbness like it, it's just just full of everything it is now for me i don't know why now i love every song on the album but i think i would say this is my least favorite song and i don't know how why it is but again it's not like i if i listen to the album which i did like three or four times this week <laughs> to lead up to this but I would never skip it or anything. I'm just saying out of all of them, it seems like it's my least favorite. I don't know why. Maybe I don't like war. Maybe that's it. Mm, that's, that's, well, that's a good reason. <laughs> I don't think anybody really likes war. I like reading about it. It's just kind of interesting, the strategy and all that. Yeah. Let's roll into Leper Messiah, right? And Leper Messiah basically warns us about false prophets. And I think... This song uh, was written during the big televangelist era back in the 80s when, when greed ruled the airwaves. So I believe James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich wrote this together. And it's a song dealing with televangelists who use a person's guilt to con them into paying money by promising people their safety with donations, and the televangelists basically keep the money for themselves. And I also, right, isn't that, well, I'm not going to say anything about that. But another interpretation is that religion doesn't really deliver everything that it promises and ends up really manipulating and controlling people, keeping with the overall theme of the album of Master of Puppets and as I mentioned before, they well played this album and this thing kind of brings it on home. Yes, this is obviously about TV evangelists, I guess, is what they were going on. Now, I, back when I heard this, like, see, now we can dissect the lyrics well because we're mature people. <laughs> but back then, I don't even think I remember even worrying Speak about Speak for yourself, what, Blake. <laughs> But yes, that might just be me. <laughs> but yes, it's another great song. Like I say, there isn't any songs on here that aren't great, actually. That's true. I, I won't I won't disagree with you there. And let's see, we've got Orion, right? That's I believe we, we could chat about Orion. Um, yes. And hands down, this is another one of the best tracks on the album, I think. And and how could that be? Well, it's carefully crafted instrumentally and it starts off with this gradual fade and it rumbles into this really enjoyable catchy section and it's just like this melodic interlude that goes up the scale up and down 
and it just fades. And, and I believe Cliff's got a bass solo here and it was wonderful. Yes, he, I read that he did. He arranged the middle section of the song. Now this is like an eight minute and 27 second instrumental, but it just feels like Cliff Burton must have loved instrumentals since they included them all in the first three, even his anesthesia one pulling teeth before whiplash on the debut album. But I really feel this really shows his great bass playing and it's so sad that it is his last recordings of him playing but yes it's an amazing epic instrumental song and then we have epic it is very epic <laughs> damage our last one is is a great closer like a, a, a bullpen specialist this song tears it up and it ends it all on an exclamation point Yes, that's one of my favorites on the album, too, just because I love, you know, going back to like Whiplash would be my favorite one on the first album. I just love those really fast songs because they were so different. Well, it's not different now, but when Kill 'Em All came out, it was so different to have these just fast songs like that. And and to have such a fast, heavy song and then he's like whispering in it, damage incorporated. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. Right. And I guess that's basically the whole album. And to conclude this, this wonderful masterpiece, I can say that the album has definitely aged well and it still stands the test of time. And I think Blake, you can agree, right? Yes, I can. Now, uh, what would you, if you had to rate it out of 10 now, what would you rate it? Still. Oh, yeah, I think I'd still give it, you know what, I'm still going to give it a big 10. I, I'm still going to, I'm keeping the faith on this one. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's one of the top five on my list of like all time thrash albums. Yes, and it's like you mentioned before, it's a lot of people say it is the best thrash album ever. And like for me, I said, Ride the Lightning, I like better, but only like a really little bit better. But I would give them both tens out of tens, even back like when they came out. I'm sure if I was reviewing albums then, I'd also give them 10 back then, especially. But still, yes, they do hold the test of time. And like, I don't, there is, Metallica keeps going along and that's great, but I it's hard to match what they did back on those second and third albums. Right. And, and there it is, everybody. I do have a couple of quick notes. So I just wanted to mention that, let's see, the, oh, the band stays sober to re, on the recording days. I noticed that. <laughs> and the album peaked at number 29 on Billboard's top 200 charts. And it set, spent 72 weeks on the top 200 chart. But it just, it debuted at number 128. But they had, of course, back then, they had no radio airplay and no videos on MTV or anything to help them along. So it was just word of mouth. And of course, there was no internet and Spotify and all that stuff. So it was tape trading and playing shows. Awesome. So I guess with all that information, everybody, 
go out and either buy the album if you haven't bought it already and it's not in your catalog right now. And to conclude the con, the, you know, this, this wonderful podcast, and it is a first for the Metal Pit, I guess we'll, I'll let you close it out, Blake. Okay, thanks, Georgina, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And please check out our website and our social media and follow us. Oh, I forgot, we also have a YouTube channel, which is at the Metal Pit 666. So you can look for us on there and subscribe. And we only have a few videos right now. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but we will have a lot more interviews and stuff on the YouTube channel coming up this year. And hey, if there's anybody out there that would like to volunteer to write for the metal pit check out our website and send us a message if you're interested bye everybody thanks for tuning in stay Thank heavy you. and play it loud <laughs>